Chapter Four of the Submarine Boys for the Flag. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan. The Submarine Boys for the Flag by Victor G. Durham. Chapter Four. Jack's Queer Lot of Loot. Stop, thief! Jack Benson only sped onward faster. Halt, you young rascal! roared the long-legged one in pursuit. The fellow who can call names like that under the circumstances has no sense of humor, chuckled the submarine boy inwardly. Drop that chart and book, panted the one in chase. You're stealing government property. Yes, but what government? Jack shot back at his pursuer. Are you going to stop? Jack's answer was to increase his burst of speed slightly. Then I'm going to fire, came the warning, glancing over his shoulder. The submarine boy saw the long-legged one still running after him. At the same time, the pursuer was raising his revolver, sighting. Jack felt a little shiver. He had never been suspected of being a coward, yet he was willing to admit that he didn't want to feel a chunk of lead plowing its way through him. "'Last word to halt!' yelled the pursuer in an ugly tone. "'Fire, then!' dared Jack Benson. Crack! Whiz! The weapon was discharged promptly. Jack, still in flight, heard the bullet whistle by him. Then it struck the sand fifty feet ahead, throwing up a spurt of fine particles. "'That was for a caution. The next shot will be to hit,' panted the pursuer. "'I wonder if you can do it,' Jack taunted backward over his shoulder." There was method in the submarine boy's tactics. He hoped, by making the stranger angry, to spoil his aim. Crack! The bullet sped by, fanning the fugitive's face. Close aim, however, had the reverse of the effect expected by the marksman. It roused all the submarine boy's anger. He might be hit, but he would stop now only if a bullet laid him low. Two more shots sped after the fugitive. Their aim was too close for comfort. Though not true enough to score a hit, each of the shots sounded a bit further back, too. He's getting winded, gritted the running submarine boy. With his long legs, that chap ought to get over your ground faster than I. The difference is that fellow is out of condition, and my hard work keeps me about to the mark of condition all the time. Crack! Jack happened to turn just as the fellow fired, and the boy was able to see that the bullet struck the ground behind him. Out of range, clicked Benson. What's the good of carrying a pocket revolver for service work? Now, if he had a dozen shots more left, he would be wasting his cartridges to fire at me. In fact, it was plain enough that the pursuer had given up the chase for the time being. Not only was he out of range of his quarry, but the long-legged one lacked the wind to keep on in foot. Say, what a fool I've been to give up this plunder, cried Jack mockingly. That chap couldn't catch me, he couldn't hit me, so I've gotten away with the stuff he was so anxious to have, and which the army, I'll bet, would a thousand times rather he didn't have. Now, how am I going to get back to the army, people? wondered young Benson. Slowing down to a walk, though keeping a vigilant lookout to the rear, I didn't want to walk something like a million miles to find a place for which I could get across the bay. It was desolate country over here. Jack and the long-legged one, well to his rear, now might be the only human beings within some miles. 
The outlook was not an encouraging one. Say, wow, whoop blazes, uttered Captain Jack suddenly. Now I remember Longlegs. Millard was his name. He gave it when he came to us at Dunhaven last fall. He was a chap who wanted to work on the submarine construction. Said he'd do any kind of work, but Grant Andrews put him in a separate shed, sorting and counting steel rivets, and never let him get near a submarine boat. That's the same fellow Mallard, or at least that was his name, he gave us. But when Mallard found he wasn't going to do anything but take care of rivets, he threw up the job four days after. He had pretended to be mighty hard up, too, and wanted to work at any sort of wages. Jack's face began to glow as he remembered more and more of the brief career of Millard at Dunhaven. And David Pollard, when he was over in Washington later, said he ran across Miller living at the swell Arlington Hotel. Millard had a different name in Washington and refused to recognize Mr. Pollard. Said there was some mistake by Hookie. There isn't any mistake Millard was trying to steal submarine secrets at Dunhaven. And now he's trying to map out harbor defenses in Craven Bay. Again, Captain Jack glanced backward over his shoulder. But Millard was no longer in sight. He knew me probably in a flash, muttered the submarine boy. I'm sorry I didn't recognize him sooner. Having gotten his wind back, Jack broke into a run again. Just because Millard had dropped out of sight was no reason for taking chances of a sudden swoop from the stranger. For some five minutes, Jack Benson jogged along. Then he came in sight of a little semi-cove. Here lay a small motor launch whose skipper somewhat of a fisherman type, was busily engaged with the engine. Say, Hale, running down to the water's edge, can you start your engine at once? I reckon not of the fisherman looking up. Run your bow in so I can get aboard, and then, directed Captain Jack briskly, I want to get over to where the Army tug is at work. Do you know where it is, over in the southeast ward? Yes, not of the fisherman. I'll give you three dollars to take me over there in a hustle, proposed Jack. You're easy enough, grinned the man in the boat, starting the engine, then lightly driving the bow of the boat upon the sand. But you'll pay me in advance. Certainly nodded the submarine boy, taking out the money, as he stepped into the boat and handing it over. Now pick up that boat hook and shove off and we'll start, added the master of the little launch. As Jack snatched up the boat hook, he caught sight of Millard. Three hundred yards away, just coming inside on a run. You better get your engine going fast, warned Jack, or that fellow headed this way will make trouble for both of us. He's carrying a gun. The skipper took just one look at Millard, who was racing along, pistol in hand, and was prepared to believe his present passenger. That little launch stole out of the cove under its reverse gear until the master of the craft thought himself far enough from shore for him to be out of range of Miller's weapon. Who is that fellow? asked the fisherman, when satisfied that he was at a safe distance and increasing in every instant. From the way he's dancing up and down, it looks as though if he were crazy, laughed Jack coolly. What's his particular specialty in craziness? asked the master of the launch, looking shrewdly at the submarine boy. Now see here, protested Benson, good humoredly. As I understand it, you're paid to take me over to the Army tug, not to ask questions, am I right? You're right, nodded the fisherman, then surveyed the boy's uniform curiously. 
"'Your uniform looks like you was in the Navy,' suggested the man at the stern of the boat. "'Does it?' queried Jack. "'Are you in the Navy?' persisted the boatman. "'Just now I'm serving with the Army,' Captain Jack replied evasively. "'Are you?' started in the human interrogation point anew. "'See here,' broke in the submarine boy. "'I thought we agreed you had just one job to do for me, "'and that questions formed no part of it.' "'Oh, that's right,' agreed the fisherman. "'But say, there's just one question I wish you'd answer me. "'Are you?' "'No,' interrupted Benson. "'Decisively. I am not. I never was.' "'You didn't let me finish,' complained the man. "'Wait until I'm out of the boat,' proposed the submarine boy. "'Then ask all the questions you like. "'Maybe you're paid to ask questions.' but I'm paid to hold my mouth shut. It went a good deal against the submarine boy's grain to be so brisk with an inquisitive stranger, but there seemed to be no other defense. Oh, well, if you're ashamed of your business, retorted the fisherman, falling into a sudden silence. This turn of affairs just suited Benson. He compressed his lips and sat back, looking out across the bay at the tug, which is at work some three miles away. "'Can you put a little more speed?' inquired Jack. "'No,' answered the fisherman sulkily. "'Doing all the gates she can kick now.' So Jack possessed his soul in patience until the whizzy little launch had covered the whole distance. While still some two hundred yards off, Jack caught sight of Major Woodruff coming out of the aft cabin of the tug. "'Ahoy, Major!' yelled the submarine boy, holding his hands to his lips. Perhaps you better stop work until I've reported. Then the launch ran alongside, and Jack stepped up to the deck of the tug, holding tightly to the loot he had taken from Millard. The master of the launch manifested a disposition to hang about in the near vicinity, until curtly ordered away by Major Woodruff. I suppose you thought, Major, that I took a good deal upon myself in advising you to suspend work, Jack hinted. Yet I've something to show you and much to tell, and I'm wagering an anchor to a fish hook that you'll be glad you stationed me over on that neck of sand. Major Woodruff led the way back into his cabin. There he examined the chart with a start of astonishment. The fellow is marking down all our mines positions, came savagely from between the army officer's teeth. Then he picked up the book. "'A nice little assortment of notes of matters of military interest along the coast,' muttered the soldier. "'Your long-legged fellow has been busy at other points than Craven's Bay.' Then, closing the book with a snap, Major Woodruff looked keenly at the submarine boy as he remarked, "'Mr. Benson, I think our present submarine test can be well suspended. We have a much more important task ahead of us, to catch this impudent thief of military cigarettes.' And in this undertaking, Benson, you can be of the greatest sort of help. End of chapter four. Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan.